This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. Oh, and now, your hosts, Brian Broaddus, David Hellman, Bucky Brooks, and Kyle Yeomans. Ladies and gentlemen, it is March 9th, a.k.a. what we have been waiting for for quite some time around these parts at the SWBC Mortgage Studios and the Star in Frisco. And the deal has been done. Dak Prescott has been signed. Welcome in to the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show as we talk about the dominoes of the Dak deal. $160 million divvied up over four years, but regardless... It's done, and we don't have to talk about it. Really past that, the next couple of days, thank goodness, into 2021 and the rest of the offseason. Glad you're with us here on the Draft Show. Brian Broaddus, Bucky Brooks, David Hellman. I'm Kyle Yeomans. And, Dave, it's nice just knowing that, hey, it's in the past, and then also, hey, you have your franchise quarterback and the Cowboys. Well, thank goodness not have to really look into drafting a quarterback, especially early in this April's upcoming draft. Oh my God! It's like my my prayers were answered. Like the um, the degree <laughs> to which I was unhappy this time last week, listening to Brian Broaddus and Bucky Brooks try to outline the Cowboys' future without a quarterback. We don't have to listen to it anymore. Um, I made the analogy earlier this morning. Is like it's like we can finally press play on a movie that's been paused for like an hour and a half. Like we can finally start talking about building this roster for 2021 and for the next few years to come because we know it's all going to revolve around Dak Prescott you know we don't have to talk about whether they should draft a quarterback or trading packages and all that type of stuff we can just build the best team possible uh, with a franchise quarterback and holy cow is that a relief is there any resentment from Bucky Brooks or Brian Broaddus on the fact that, hey, there is a franchise quarterback here and the money has been dished out? Because I know you guys were trying to draft Mac Jones at 10 last week, and that's not happening anymore. <laughs> I, I felt like Brian Broaddus and I were just having a discussion that you have to have in a war room. At some point, you have to prepare for all scenarios. And if Dak Prescott wasn't signed or if he was playing on the franchise tag for – just from a due diligence standpoint, we have to talk about the quarterback. And so it's one of the things that you have to do. And with the deal coming in the way that it came in, I think one of the underreported aspects of the deal, the amount of cap space that was saved mm -hmm. by putting him on a deal because the Cowboys, unlike a lot of teams, they're rich in cash. And cash is king in this. Because they could fork over $66 million in cash, they now can reduce his cap down to $22 million. It enables them to go out and actually shop a little bit on the free agent market, which helps them build a team. Yeah, I think this is, and Bucky's right, it just took Bucky and I, you know, two hands to shove Stephen Jones <laughs> into getting this deal done. And, and no, I, I'm kidding. It's about... <laughs> The, the, thing that, the thing that's interesting about it is that you start to hear the deal was done basically in one day. Mm -hmm. And I know there's all kinds of buildup and all that, but it just goes to show you if you have people that are motivated to getting something done, you can get it done in this league. And this is what the Cowboys needed to have happen in order to get their offseason going. They, they had to get their quarterback done. You know, one way or another, whether it was sign him, uh, the tag play on that, trade him. I mean, they had to get something done. And if you look at it, the best thing, the best scenario that could have happened for the Cowboys happened. So now you can focus on the offseason. Bucky's talking about cap space. You're going to probably have to flip a couple of contracts to get some more space. But at least you can play in this game now. And then now you can worry about the draft. You can say, okay, at 10 – do we need to take an offensive player, a defensive player? What direction do we want? Hey, coaches, what do you think? Now the Cowboys offseason can get going for real. You know, and they can work on now fixing this football team that last year was 6-10. and 10. 
And you make a really good point because free agency couldn't have started without knowing what kind of piece of the pie that Dak Prescott was ultimately going to take up. You couldn't have started your draft prep without thinking, hey, we might have to take a quarterback at 10 rather than maybe one of these top corners like Patrick Sertan or out of Alabama or Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech. And then, then you have to go from there. Dak was the starting point. He was that first domino to fall, Brian. But where do they go now? Because that's the biggest question with this football team. There are a lot of spots, and we've talked about it kind of over the course of the draft show. But now that they can actually start looking, what is the next step for this for this front office to kind of find a rhythm and find the guys that they need in order to build around their quarterback? Yeah, they have to. They've already figured out that the coaches that they had on their defensive staff weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, they you know that 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 was that was number one. And you know, really shame on Mike McCarthy. And again, I sound like I'm hammering him. And I guess I am. But you know, you had a whole year to put together a staff, and you ended up firing three coaches off his staff. You know, so now you're back to square one with the defense. But yeah, it, it's going to be about okay. What is Dan Quinn? What are the traits, the characteristics? What is he looking for in his defense? You know, what is uh, with Joe Witt? What is he looking for in, in the secondary? You know, what's going to happen with the defensive line? You know, I mean, all these things now, the scouts have got to recalibrate in their mind like, okay, these are guys that I looked at earlier in the year. Maybe this guy didn't fit. Oh, wait, now this guy does fit. There's a lot of that back and forth, but this is going to be a really important offseason for these defensive coaches to kind of to, to tell their ideas or their vision of what they want in a defensive player. We, you know, we talk about offensive players. That seems to be okay for the Cowboys. It's the defensive side of the ball that you need to kind of start to worry about. Again, coaches, players, finding a way to get those two things together because they can't have what happened last year to them on defense. They, again, they, they just it, it was it was a mess. Uh, how that uh, how that all shook out last year, Dave. You know, Brian, it's, it's funny that 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 you're talking about like building around the team. I think championship teams have to have 12 blue chip players, and they need to be at certain positions. Um, quarterback, you need a running back, wide receiver, three offensive linemen, two pass rushers, an off the ball playmaker, and then two guys in the secondary. And so when you look at this Cowboys team, and you look at the way their cap has been allocated. Prescott, Cooper, Elliott, Tyron Smith, D-Law, Zach Martin. We have Jalen Smith who's making money, but I don't know if he's necessarily a blue-chip player based on how he plays on the field. Leo Collins could be in that conversation at offensive tackle. The issues that I see would be pass rusher, safety, and either Trayvon Diggs has to emerge as an elite corner or they have to draft an elite corner. Mm. So we're talking about three marquee positions that need to be filled for this team to on paper, legitimately be considered a team that can vie for a championship. And that's honestly, that's what makes this whole thing exciting for me is like we finally get this dumb domino out of the way and we can have these conversations. You know, now we can begin, you know, I always compare it to a roadmap. You can start to look at that map and say, all right, what are they going to do in free agency? What type of free agents does Dan Quinn want to acquire? Uh, You know, are they going to go after a certain type of defensive tackle? Do they maybe bring Gerald McCoy back? Or is there somebody else that they have in mind? Is Can Dan Quinn convince this front office to invest in a safety? And then, you know, Brian just said it a minute ago, obviously you never want to speak too definitively, but offensive tackle is maybe the only offensive position that I could see this team drafting with a super high pick. Would you all agree with that? Yes. Yes. I think yeah, it needs it, 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 unless unless though that they do what they did last year. Yes, I, I like I said. I, I mean, you can't. You don't yeah. want to say it as a blanket statement, no, no, but just absolutely. in general. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, so now we're yeah. talking. You know, and now that now that we've got this Dak Prescott thing out of the way, I can sit here and say, yeah, I bet I bet Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan is going to be the pick at ten. That helps you address your secondary. Then we can move down the line. You know, what? How do they feel about Jalen Smith? Can they fix him? Do they need to draft a linebacker highly? Do they sign a safety in free agency, or do they maybe go after a Richie Grant or or one of the two guys? Uh, you know, I don't know the answer to these questions, but we can start diving into it a little mm-hmm. bit more now that we've got some clarity. Well, Dave, I, I, I want to say this, like Justin, thinking about your draft strategy, because I think we're so like focused on the defense. 
I think the best defense is a great offense. And I think if you're the Cowboys, I think if you're Mike McCarthy, you're looking at your team, it takes a lot of work to build up that defense. I don't think it would take as much work to make the offense a dominant offense where you're thinking about putting 30 points a game. And so if you build strength on strength, to me, I would go all in on trying to find an elite offensive tackle at 10. Because if I have an elite offensive tackle on 10, I can leave this offense alone theoretically for a year or two and then put everything else onto the defense. Because when you give Dak $42 million plus a year, you're saying we need to start the game with 30 on the board. If we get 30 on the board, I don't need the defense to play at a top 10 level. I just need you to be middle of the pack. Pass rushers, interceptions, those things. And so it just depends on if Mike McCarthy and those guys can say, if we're going to play complimentary football, the best way for us to play complimentary football is let the offense go, and then we'll just play from ahead on defense, much like the Kansas City Chiefs have been able to do. And the the way that Dan Quinn is coming into the defense, you would hope that he goes from a 32nd-ranked defense or a 31st-ranked defense and puts them middle of the pack. You don't need that top-10 caliber like you said, Bucky. And, Dave, I, I think I kind of lean more toward what Bucky's saying rather than what you just said of since the DAC deal is done, you can look at corner. I think since the DAC deal is done, it puts more emphasis in trying to protect him and protect the assets that you have on offense. It's not just Dak. It's the money with Zeke. It's the money with Cooper. It's the tight ends. It's the uh, it's the wide receiving core that's been impressive. And then, of course, the offensive line that you've built in the past. So don't you think that the Dak deal might even lead more so to being enticing to taking a tackle or a guy like Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern up at that 10th pick? I've done this long enough. To, I mean, you know, you're not going to get me to say 100% yes or 100% no. You got to weigh these things on a case by case basis. As as you come on, what, what fun no. is that? Right, I mean, come on, get stop it, stop it, have stop an it, stop it. Neither one of you would have ever, neither one of you would have ever predicted that C.D. Lamb would fall to 17. So yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta do this stuff case by case. I think I am much higher. I'm much higher on Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins being okay this season than a lot of other people are. And that doesn't – I'm not saying ignore the depth at the position. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, uh, you know, maybe you draft that guy in the second or the third round. You know, oh, think, my god. Oh, hey, fine. Like, I mean, if you, oh, if you don't like gosh. it, you don't like I mean, it. if we're going to do that, we might as well roll Brandon Knight and Terrence so, Hill out there and see the thing. Oh, oh god. stop I mean, it. Oh, gosh. I mean, let's, comparing a pair of undrafted free agents to a top 50 pick and tackle? Position, stop like, it. Let's not shop at the sales rack. Like, go and get a guy if we're going to get one. We're talking about an opportunity to take one of the top two or so three guys. You're and telling Tyler me. Smith has been hurt every year. Every year is guaranteed. Like the first and the 15th, you get a paycheck. It's true. He is going to miss four or five games. At some point, we got to get a tackle. We got to get somebody big, that can play. There's a big difference between missing three games, which is what he <laughs> usually misses, and missing the entire season. And you're trying to tell me, you're trying to tell me if I can get one of those corners at 10 and then draft an Alex Leatherwood at 44, like that's that's not good uh, enough. Oh. It's, a, it's a bigger so difference. Like The I Cowboys think. are the only team in the league that has to have a first rounder at every position on the offensive line. We're like they're like the only yes. team yes. where you can't. And what's get wrong by with that? Yeah, no, yeah, no, why is that an don't, issue? Don't, yeah. don't skip. Don't don't skip. Because you shouldn't need a blue chip player at every position on the offensive line yes. to have a good I offense. Mean, that just I that think it works be out. the case. You could say the same thing yeah, about some of the secondary guys. Too. You could say the same yeah, thing. Zeke, Zeke would appreciate you block for him up front this year. That'd be nice for him. He'd appreciate that. Y'all are y'all are insane. I'm like, just, I mean, hey, if I, they draft if they draft Rashawn Slater or Panay Sewell, I won't I will not dislike that pick. But the idea that they absolutely have to is ridiculous. I mean, so here here here's the difference. Like here, here's what you do in the comparison. Like we talk about cluster busters and the like. What you want to do is, what is the separation between Sertan, Caleb Farley, and the next tier corners versus what is the separation between yes. the offensive tackles, Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater, and the second tier of offensive tackles? Typically, there's a bigger drop-off in offensive tackles. I'm not saying that you can find a corner anywhere, but you can find a corner anywhere. We're celebrating <laughs> Trayvon Diggs. He was a second-round pick. 
You know, so I'm just saying it is not as it's not as if any of these corners in the draft are Deion Sanders or Jalen Ramsey or anything like that. So if it's close, you go to the big guy because you can find a guy that you can put out there and play a corner. I think that's a really simplified idea of how hard it is to find good cornerback play in this league. I mean, I know Richard Sherman was, you know, a fifth round pick, but like how many top tier cornerbacks fall out of the first 30 or 40 picks in the draft? Okay, so let me so 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 let so let me tell you this. Would you want Damon Arnett to play corner? Here's a first round pick. Oh, I mean, but we didn't we all think that was really weird? Like the Raiders do weird Raider stuff every year. I, I just mm-hmm. I just know he's a first round pick. Like there's AJ a host Terrell. of first round picks that we're talking about. CJ Henderson that are I don't want to say just just guys, but I'm just saying like I think that well, position that position is oof. much easier to find than a premier offensive tackle. I would invest in the bigs more so than the lows. <sighs> well, let me ask you this. Let me ask let me ask Bucky a question then real quick here. Because you do fine work with Daniel Jeremiah, old you know, old scout, old guy. You know, his thought is that there's a huge drop off between the top corners and the next tier of corners. And I mean, he was talking about this on Peter King's uh, podcast thing. He was saying, "Hey, you know, the offensive tackles all look good," which, to your point, is right. But he's saying if you don't draft a corner early. You're not going to get a, a good corner. Do, do you disagree with him on that? Yeah, I disagree. Okay. I disagree. I disagree because I think corner ability a lot is predicated on scheme. I think if you have a very clear view of how you want to play, I don't believe that the, the separating factors are so vast that you can't find a guy. So if we can project how this team is going to play based on what they did in Atlanta, the corners that you need are one of two. They need to be long. They need to be rangy. And they can be man-to-man guys or they can be zone guys because they could bail a lot. It just depends. I mean, we're talking about Greg Newsom from Northwestern being sure. a guy. Like, whether he's in the first round or whatever, but think about the amount of names that we have listed at corner that we talk about. Asante Samuel. We mm-hmm. talk about the Coleman kid from Georgia. I mean, there Mel are a ton of guys. Mel, yeah. Mel yeah. I mean, like, yeah. so to me, it's easier to find those athletes to figure out how to play versus the big guys. And a lot of it is predicated on who's your secondary coach. Do you have a secondary coach that is an X and O's guy or is he a teacher? Joe Witt is a teacher developer type. And so if you can have someone that you can bring in, I think you can play with one of those younger guys. Okay, no, I, mean, let me... I, I was just curious. No, because I was curious because, you know, Dan, I, I have the utmost respect for the work you guys do. I have the utmost respect for everybody that sits down and watches this tape and has an opinion on this. I, I did. I thought it was interesting because I tend to agree with you, Bucky, on I don't want to reach for a corner, but I'll tell you what, I feel better about corners in that second and third round than I do – than offensive tackles mm-hmm. in the second or third round. So if you were, if you told me I have to address, I have to address the offensive tackle position because of what I think is going, you know, what could happen with Tyron Smith, you know, Lyle Collins, the hip, and all that. I, I, I understand what you're going with right there. I mean, that that is a hard position to find, but I, I do think I don't agree with Daniel either. I, I think that this thing could stretch a little bit better at corner. So if you did, I mean, me personally, I love taking pits. I mean, I think he is a <laughs> weapon. You want to start talking about putting pressure on yeah. people? That's where, I mean, that's putting pressure on people. That is putting some serious pressure on people. And, and even Daniel just yesterday on a tweet, he was saying, hey, give me the guy you think could be a Hall of Fame player in 10 years. He listed pits. It would be so pits. I'm thinking, oh, okay. Yeah, I go, maybe he's stupid like me then, you know, that he likes this guy. But... <laughs> I'm just saying, though, that I think that, to me, the, the corner position stretches a little bit better than what the tackle position. And I don't want to reach for a – I don't want to – if you don't feel good about those early corners, if you don't, then the, the safe pick is to go with the offensive lineman. Let me say something that's really going to piss y'all off. Then yes. it's my turn to it's my turn to it's my turn to you upset being on the show y'all. I love this. Oh. Wow. You 
you don't want to you right like you don't want to draft for need, right? But just think about what this team is positioned to handle. Okay, you got Tyron Smith and Lyle. Collins. Yeah, they're healthy. Maybe they're not healthy. If that doesn't happen, uh, you've got Zach Martin, who proved he can do that if he needs to at a decent level. You've also got these two developmental guys who weren't amazing, uh, Terrence Steele and Brandon Knight, but like you feel good they're on your team and they can come in and compete and continue to develop as players. And then maybe you add a draft pick to that. That seems like a decent amount of help at the offensive tackle position, whereas right now... We'll see what they do in free agency, but we know they're not going to spend a ton of money. So you got Trayvon Diggs, you got mm-hmm. Anthony Brown, mm-hmm. and then you got a whole lot of not inspiring stuff between young players and you know Maurice Kennedy's coming back, but he's a he's a career special teams guy. Like yeah. Reggie you Robinson. don't have anybody that you can count no, no, on to handle wrong. their job. You're not wrong, and and I, I'm saying though to me if you're the Cowboys, and I I I, I, I hate riding the fence on this, but you know, I do, I do, I understand what Bucky's saying about your investment at quarterback, but I'm going to need the quarterback, too, to make some plays when it's not perfect. You yeah. know, when everything up front is not perfect. But I also want to be able to say, if I could take the best cornerback in this draft, if I could get the best one, yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for it. But I, 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 I do, I like, I don't think you could go wrong with either spot. I really don't. I, I like uh, the offensive now tackle. Now, there's a coward's uh, answer right there. That's it, a true it, coward's right. answer. No, no, you're absolutely right. No, you're right. It is a coward answer. It's a, it's a completely coward answer. But to me, okay, so, if to mm-hmm. me, if you told me I could get Farley, I, yes, I'm in. But if you tell me I got to get Sertan, who I have horn over, I, wow. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm the one guy in this whole world that no. likes Horn, other than his mom and dad. I like Horn a lot. No, I think no, no. he needs to be in that top like, three conversation like I, as well, Brian. I, I like. I think. I think the three of them are are closely lumped together. I think what has happened, we have blown up Caleb Farley to mythical proportions. Like I, agree. I know he didn't play last year. Like, but I feel like, and if we go back and we really look at how he played. Look, he's a solid player. I know people talk about the speed or whatever. On tape, I actually had questions about his ability to recover and play down the field. Also, when you go back and you think about Virginia Tech corners and how they're deployed, I know he's a boundary corner, but he's a bigger guy who prefers to play off. And so he makes some plays, but it's not like he is a ball magnet with a ton of interceptions that is making play after play after play after play. When I think about, okay, J.C. Horn, Pat Sertan, and Caleb Farley, they have them in one lump. When I look at Elijah Molden, I think I can make a case for my Elijah Molden to not only be the best nickel, but that's a starting position in today's game. Mm-hmm. I think about Melifon Wu, who is long and rangy, who appears to fit what the new norm at corner would be. Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, like, there are a ton of guys that we're going to be sitting there because here's what happened in the draft. We talk about all these names, and we're going to be looking at the second round, and there's going to be a clump of players that are really good players, and we'll be like, Oh, wow. Like, I know we yeah. mocked him to be in the first round. Everybody can't go in the first round. There are oh, yeah. going to be some yeah. athletes that are available in the second round. No, you're right. And you, you mentioned we talked about Newsom. I'll tell you the two. I think the two Oregon kids can play. You know, I Absolutely, mean, yes. there's, there's going to be a list. And that's why, again, I don't agree with Daniel Jeremiah about the fall off. Because I think those guys are all kind of right there with each other. So, my, my point is, if you told me we had to take a tackle and it, it's like it came down to a tackle or Sertan, I'm going to tackle. I'm sorry. I'm going to go with the tackle right there because I'll say, you know what, I'll take my chances of the quality in the second round at 44 with one of those guys that I like just as much. That's what it, everybody. What do y'all think of uh... – Brian's on the offensive tackle train. <laughs> He's on the offensive tackle train. What do y'all think of oh, no, I just know. I mean, hey, this guy, this kid is going to have to play guard. Yes, if he you will. Think of, you He'll have to play left kid, guard. He's going to have to play guard. Mm-hmm. He's going to play guard. I mean, just, oh, guess, you know. guess, guess, guess who plays left guard? Elijah Vera Tucker. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, mm. Ooh. he does. Out of USC. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. I mean, I mean to I'm, me, I'm, I. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, no, but, I, but if you if you told me I could get one of those top tackles and move Slater inside for a year or whatever to you figured things out, by my, by all means. But I, I like I said, given if it's and I maybe I, maybe I'm guilty of the Horn love and the Farley love. I'll admit that. I'm, know, I'm and, looking. 
Look, I, I like him. I'm not disparaging Farley. I, look, boundary yes, corner. Yes, you are. Zone skills, instincts, awareness. I wrote down <laughs> at the bottom of my notes, Seattle-Atlanta system, which is how the Cowboys want to play. The one thing I wrote down, questions about speed, is he a true number one corner? Yeah. That, that was my big thing. I like the toolbox and all that other stuff. I just wondered, is he a top ten dog at corner? Because that did, corner, you put the, did you put the same note for Sertan? Did you uh, say what, what was your same note about Sertan? Because if you didn't say that, then now I'm really questioning you. What do you mean? If I didn't say that, if I didn't say, I, I'm just tr- curious. I didn't, like I'm I, just I, curious. I, what did you, like, did you did you think Sertan can run? No, I think I had the same thing. My question with all Alabama corners are how fast are they? I think they yeah. do a great job of playing within the system. They understand exactly how to do it. But I had questions about Diggs last year in terms of his sure. long speed. No, and those that's, that's that's um, that's fair. That's fair. I, I think, for whatever reason, I think they end up having high IQ guys on the perimeter more so than the explosive athletes. I think Ohio State might put a greater premium on the dynamic athletes that play outside. So all I know is I've never seen so many people just try to complete. And it pains me to say this about Alabama. I don't like Alabama, but like so many people just want to discredit a guy for holding down half the field at the best program in America for three years. Like. <laughs> I'm uh, if I'm absolutely think, fine with that. I pick. don't think anybody's discrediting him at all. I oh, think, everybody's I think, looking for a reason oh, why he's David, not actually that good. Like if they don't, David. and I like Caleb, I like Farley a lot, and I even, I like J.C. Horn as well. But like, I think it's it's a classic case of like people get tired of talking about the same guy. They're like, oh, do we have to talk about Patrick Sertan again? Because there's nothing else to talk about. I mean, I'm just, I think people go out of their way to poke holes in his game. That's yeah, I think I have Sertan over Farley because I think Sertan plays the game. Um, obviously, some of this is his dad's influence in seeing mm-hmm. how his dad is played. I think he has a natural knack to being able to read and understand routes and the way that he plays. I think he plays like a pro. Um, I think there's a, I think there's a separation, though, between J.C. Horn. I think J.C. Horn may be the most dynamic of them all in terms of the athleticism, but I also think that he's probably the most undisciplined of them all, too. I think there's a wider variance in his boom or bust plays compared to what the other guys may bring on a down-by-down basis. I agree. I think that's kind of mine. You want want, want the – yeah, you're just looking for the safe guy then, Bucky. Is that what you're telling me? You're just looking you know, at I'm a baseball player hard. And I know you can win a lot of games hitting doubles. <laughs> you hit singles and doubles, you can win a yeah. lot of games. Wait, you I don't have to hit it out the park. Doubles? You win a lot what of games. On earth, <laughs> what on earth is wrong with a safe pick? Like, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing I'm wrong not with saying, it. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Like, Sertan is almost boring to watch play. Because he's yeah. good. Borderline. <laughs> That's he's my point. Player. People are just player. bored. They're like, oh, I'm tired of talking about this really good corner from Alabama. Let's let's do I mean, something crazy instead. I, I, don't See, know Bucky, if, I don't know if we have a Bucky won't tell you about his speed because he's got him as his number one guy. That's why I'm uh, right, Bucky. Well, no, no, no. But, right but, about that? Even, but, but, but I said the same thing about Caleb Farley's speed. Like, you don't have no, to you, be necessarily he, he, he the fastest. Caleb Farley. What, what are you going to do with Caleb Farley if he runs 4-3? And I, I wanted to get into this, by the way. Are we going to get influenced by what guys run when we start getting these real times from pro days? Are, 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 are our opinions going to, well, I had Sertan up here, and it happened to the Mississippi State kid last year. Yeah, Cameron We're Dantzler. all watching that tape of that. Yeah, yeah, we're watching that kid play, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. boy, he ran four five eight. Well, I guess we got to nope. drop him down a couple of rounds now, don't we? No, I mean – I won't, I won't be greatly influenced because I would say this. I would expect him to run fast. He hasn't done anything but train for a year. I mean, I would expect him to be at his best. He's trained for 365 days to run a 40. If he can't clock a track time now, he'll never be able to clock it. But if you go back and watch him on tape, and let's just say, is the ACC a vaunted conference when it comes to producing high-end wide receivers? Like, outside of Clemson, like, what are we really talking about? Like, yes, I'll tell you what, my, man. Guy, my guy, my hey, guy, Bravo at North Carolina. But I'm just saying, when we match up and we watch him, we're watching him versus guys that are okay. Where Sertan would be challenged by more pro players on tape than mm-hmm. what Caleb Farley has challenged on a week week by week basis. That kind of that ties into my point for sure. I mean, you know, if you watch enough Pat Sertan, like he gets beat by guys. Of course he does, but. 
it's weird to me that we ding Patrick Sertan for going against the Jamar Chases of the world, you know, whereas, yeah, I mean, you know, Farley has an easier time. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, Clemson's put out a hell of a lot of good NFL receivers, mm-hmm. but not very many other schools uh, yeah. in that conference have. The ACC Even though Yami Brown from North Carolina is a guy. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> He's but there's not many dude. guys in that conference. There's not many guys. The ACC. There's not many guys like Wake Forest, NC State. There, there, there's nothing. Georgia Tech. Like, who are we really guarding? I'm conservatively, Brian. I think you can go out there on the corner with an eight or nine yard cushion, and you probably can hold it down and hold people to a fifty percent completion rate. It's not that hard in the ACC. Yes, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like. Hey, Bucky, I was cooking crawfish the other day and a little bit of pot no. and about blew my back out. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Oh, he's trying to set you up against some some Division One receivers. Yeah, the ACC, it's not it's not Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Irvin, and uh, Calvin Johnson right. out there anymore. It's not. It's 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 not that kind of competition man, no, like the no, ACC hey, used to no have. No respect for that. At, no respect at all for that Atwell kid from Louisville that can run. I, I, I mean, he's okay. I, mean, I have respect. I, I have respect for him and Des Fitzpatrick, but I mean, I'm just saying, there you go, I I didn't know, I thought you learned better about the, you and the little guy fascination, no little dudes, no, 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 we don't want little little dudes, little dudes running around, the little guy, the little guy thing, I'm I'm coming around because what's happening is every time I kill the little guy, he ends up making the Pro Bowl or something like that, you know, who's the, who's the little guy Pro Bowler? Open your eyes, Bucky. Open your eyes. Tyreek Hill, man. This is a different game. This is a different game than what we learned. Tyreek Hill is a a different breed because what we're talking about in draft terms. Yeah, in draft terms, we're talking about the beauty Watch that that kid at Purdue. Watch that kid at Purdue come in this league and blow everybody up. Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore. Yeah, I'm just telling you, man. There's something right. about it, the way this game's going. There's something okay. about this game. Hey, so I know Kyle's probably dying to go to break, but, like, this I whole am. conversation, does it – I'll be quick. Does it remind you of That's 20 – That's hard to do. Can you – well, yeah, if you keep cutting me off, jackass. <laughs> does this remind you of – does this remind you of 2017 at all in the sense that you know, the Cowboys had that strategy where, you know, the first round was long on pass rushers. Obviously, we know they got the pick wrong, but they let the cornerback position stretch into day two and they got Jordan Lewis and Cheeto. I mean, is that what you're trying to tell me? That, you know, you get the more talent-rich guy in the top ten and you can still find some cornerbacks later? Because, I don't know. Well, I mean, yes. at the end of the day, you gotta, you got to pick the right players now. I mean, well, like, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I mean, like, not to disparage the people who pick Taco Jordan, but I never felt like he was a guy like that. And I would be wary of Michigan guys. I think guys in the because, room they felt the same way too, Bucky. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't think, like, and I would be wary of the guy who's coming out now, Quiddy Pay. Like, I, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not supposed to scout the helmet, but let's, let's be honest. The guys that have come out of there, Chase Winovich, Rashad Gary, um, Taco Jordan, then we talk about oh, Quiddy Pay. Hutchinson might not great. be bad. Hutchinson might not be bad. Yeah, but they don't they don't get the quarterback down. Yeah. So Yeah. I don't know. They remind me of Penn State corners. So I'm just curious about how many cornerbacks you would feel good about drafting at say, let's say forty four. Like, you know, whether that's you know, I've brought up Tyson Campbell a lot. Maybe you that's like what we Aaron just Robinson. Said. That's why we take an offensive tackle. Uh, and I'm saying, so, but you, what I'm asking is like you feel good about that depth of position. Because yes. I don't know that I do. Like I okay. feel I feel I much do. better I, about not, corners depth. I don't want to speak depth. for everybody else. I don't want to speak for everybody else. I feel. I yeah, I, yeah, I'm 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 fine with that. I am okay. fine with the corner. Okay. I'm parked out there because worst case, what you do is you park Anthony Brown out there. And you bring in a guy who can play nickel. I think you can you can run it back. I think it's easier to find those guys that we can move inside and kind of play around and do all that other stuff. I would prefer to have the Cowboys scoring. 30 to 35 points a game and the other team is forced to throw and we're playing soft zone and making them kick field goals like i want to dominate on offense i also don't think if you took a corner early you took them at 10 i don't think it's out of the question that you also take one in the second or the third round either because of the depth of position i think they double dip at corner and in fact and if you're going to do that, then you might as well have a premium player at a different position that you've already invested in, like offensive tackle. 
And Cal, I'm, I'm glad you did that because if we were in the, in the draft room and I saw Dave Hellman over there pouting, what I would do is I say, "Here's what we'll do: we'll take corners in the second, third, oh, and hey. the seventh round to appease you, to make sure that we hey. get the corner, to make sure that you feel good about that." But I'm going to take the offensive tackle, so I feel great, and I'm gonna let you have Christmas the rest of the draft with <laughs> as many Bucky. corners as you want. Get it, I'm, I'm, not, not, hey, get it, Bucky. I'm not pouting. If they, if they draft Rashawn Slater. I think that's a perfectly good pick. I think that's a great pick. You're gonna but... lose your mind. Lose <laughs> no, your mind. I, I think y'all are just y'all are just drafting scared. Y'all are just drafting scared. That's all. I feel like I feel like you're yeah. drafting scared. I, I feel like it's reversed. If you're no. gonna just take no. the need and take the player, take no. take the better player. Y'all got and, and also let's, y'all let's got be scared watching Terrence Knight play tackle last year. No, Terrence, okay. Terrence yeah. Knight. How many? How many? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Ter- no, that actually fits because they both played. But yeah, just combined so, so, them into one mishmash. <laughs> so here's something to look at, Dave. Like we have to build it to win the division. There are more pass rushers in this division than wide receivers. Ah, now that's uh, okay. So, they're more pat. We got to deal with Chase Young and what the Washington football team has. You still got to deal with the Eagles and Brandon Graham and those guys. The Giants are good up front. None of those teams outside of Terry McLaurin, who's the other scary receiver that's not on the Cowboys? There isn't one. Like, if you're just saying we have to win a division to get into the playoffs, the strategy would be let's make sure. going to be a good player. He might, he might be, he still but I'm saying, be. like, right now, you're not you're not saying, oh, my gosh, how are we going to, in March, how are we going to defend Jalen Rager? Like, it's not that the only guy in the division outside of who's on the Cowboys would be Terry McLaurin. Well, but what we got to watch, guys, now is, and, Bucky, it, that narrative works now, but watch what happens. If I, I only can go by now. And watch the Giants. And watch them all start. Yeah, you're right. Right now, that's a great narrative. You made your point. Take it to break. So, God, yeah, I think that's probably a good Only idea. About Twenty minutes over. We're gonna be, we're gonna be into Twitter on the forty when we return here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer, brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Hey, Cowboys fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience AT&T Stadium's exclusive VIP Owners Club. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola. The official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Well, now that we have, uh, we've completely blown up our draft board and completely re- redone everything that we've talked about on this show for the previous 21 episodes, we're going to continue on into our second segment on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Kyle Yeomans alongside Bucky Brooks, Brian Broaddus, David Hellman, Chris Beam in the back, where it's time now for some Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. 
There it is, as always, Chris Beam doing work. And it is Twitter on the 20, even though it's 1040. But we're still going to get these questions in regardless <laughs> on this show because there's some really good ones and a lot of them that we need to get to. We need to just start answering a lot of these on Twitter uh, just, <laughs> just to get these across. Okay, starting off with, uh, let's go with Ernie. And he sounds, or actually, no, this is exactly what we just talked about, talking about offensive tackle. Okay, uh, let's go with Jeff. He says, now that Reggie Robinson has been moved back to corner, which is what the report was last week out of the star, does that mean that cornerback is not as much of a need in the draft, or do they not have to double down? We just talked about doubling down at corner. I still think it's a huge possibility, but Brian, because of Reggie Robinson maybe being back at that spot, do you think it takes a little bit of the pressure off? Well, it at least gives him another body, you know, and, and, and we all kind of we all evaluated Reggie Robinson as a long rangy corner out of Tulsa. And so, yeah, it's unfortunate. He came into training camp last year. I remember watching practices and thinking, This poor kid's lost. You know, he doesn't look like he really knows what he needs to do, where he needs to be. Played some games at the end of the year on special teams, actually showed up pretty well. So I think the move back to corner will be more natural for him. And Bucky will explain to you that, hey, these guys like those types of players, long, rangy. Robinson will probably be a pretty good fit. As we talked about for 40 minutes there, cornerback is still something you have to address. Yeah, I don't think you ignore the position because of Reggie Robinson. If he develops and becomes a guy that can become a contributor, great. But I think you still have to draft um, with getting a starter in mind. And so I think he throws, he gets into the mix, he competes. But I think you still have to put more um, ammunition at the position. Yeah, uh, I mean, I am I am excited at the thought that they're that they would move him back. I was kind of disappointed they tried to move him to safety in the first place. Agreed. But he still played. He played one defensive snap last year, and I mean, if if he develops, that's awesome. It just makes you that much better. But you know, I say this all the time, like the the top 100 is where you're getting guys that are going to start and make plays for mm-hmm. you. Every everything else is just gravy. It's similar, very similar to Bradley and I. Like, mm-hmm. am I am I excited for what he might be able to do in year two? Absolutely. Do I feel like I'm set at defensive end because I found Bradley and I in the fifth round? No chance. So, and yeah. Reggie Robinson was at 123 last year when he was taken out of Tulsa. So he's outside of that top 100, but not by a lot. And I still think he has enough yeah, to come up sure. and play significant snaps at the position, especially whenever you're as thin as they are there. But like you said, in terms of saying that we don't need to look at that position as much, I, I don't know if Reggie Robinson's really kind of the swinging factor there. This is a good question from Patrick Drew, and this is from all the way in Melbourne, Australia, across the, the world nice. from where we are. So I love that, international listeners. Shout out to you. But Twitter on the 20 question, assuming the Cowboys go corner at 10 and David Hellman gets his way, realistic options for tackle and linebacker at 44, who are some of the names that we would potentially be talking about there, Mr. Hellman? Oh well, I, mean, I think I brought him up in the first segment. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I love the idea of finding Alex Leatherwood at 44. Y'all tell me if you think that's realistic. Brian also was talking about um, our Notre Dame guy, Liam Eikenberg. I can, I can yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, those are a couple names, and then there was one more. Oh, um, actually, a guy that I feel like we haven't really said his name a lot. But what about uh, Sam Cosme out of, out of Texas, Texas as well? Yeah. Which is why, so I mean, there there are guys, and again, it's important to note you're picking in the top ten of every round. So, is it a guarantee that the, that those guys will fall to you? No, but I feel good that there would be a talented option there, particularly at pick forty four. I don't know about letting it stretch all the way to the third round, but maybe pick forty four. But yeah, talk about line linebacker um, Chad Sherratt. From North Carolina would be in the mix. I think Jabril Cox from LSU would be in the mix because I think they need one of those kind of linebackers. I think speed is at a premium. I think the linebacker composition will look a little different than it had been um, in recent years. I think you will see guys that are a little smaller but a lot faster because that's a big part of how this defense gets down. Yeah, and I think I hope I don't butcher this kid's name. Another kid, the Cameron McGrone from Michigan, mm-hmm. the linebacker. I don't know if you guys have looked at him at all, but that's a six-one, two hundred thirty-five pound guy. Played with a busted hand part of the season, but if you watch his tape, 
Minnesota, Indiana. This is an active guy that can really, really run. Not a lot went well for Michigan last year, but he was one of the, I thought, one of their better defensive players, uh, number 44 for the Wolverines. But downhill player, can really run, kind of work his way through trash. There's some linebackers that, like I say, that, that the guys were saying, smaller guys that can run. I think that's what the prerequisite's going to be for this defense. Well, I got wait, real quick, Kyle. Sorry, but another guy that I always forget about. What do y'all think about Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State? Oh yeah. See, I've seen people. I, I know. Yeah, I've known some people have seen him. I, I didn't want to mention it because I've got him personally in the second round myself. But I know people have talked about him potentially as a first round guy, and so I don't know if he gets to you at forty four. But I kind of had, I kind of had him. And the Notre Dame kid in that that mix right there together. Leatherwood was in that mix too of my second round offensive tackles. Those are the guys I hope that could stretch to you uh, at 44 if you're going that route. I, I like Baron Browning too. If we're going to talk linebacker, Ooh, Ohio nice State. Name. I yeah, like nice him name. a lot, uh, and he's a Texas-born player, played down the street in, at Kennedale High School here in Fort Worth. I've seen him the last couple of years, and, I mean, you talk about a player that plays heady, that, that's that's smart, he's in the right spot, and then he finishes through tackles. That's a guy that I really liked on film, ultimately, of, of being able to show out and really kind of ended up being really the captain of that Ohio State defense last year that made a run to the national championship game and, and had... Uh, some, yeah. Even though it was a short season, he had highlights enough, enough to, to impress me there. Uh, next question from John Nelson out of uh, – he's also across the pond. He's in the United Kingdom. Nello! Yeah, yeah that's our guy. Yeah, Nello's yeah. fantastic. Hi, I love, love him on, on Twitter. He says, is there any position outside of corner that you would double dip in in this draft? Brian? Uh, quarterback, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, the, no, you know, it, it's, a, it's an interesting I, – I wonder if you would double dip at safety. You know, I wonder if you would find a way to say, okay, go grab you a free and then go grab you somebody that could be a strong and then mm-hmm. use those two guys. Maybe if you – because of a rotation of four, you think that like, you know, Donovan Wilson – Okay, do they go sign a veteran guy, get a veteran – I mean, a legitimate veteran guy, not a guy that's just, you know, we get into camp and then they cut him after the third practice. Like a legitimate player. And then would you maybe look at – because to me, I think there's some really fascinating players at that safety spot, especially at the strong and the free, where you could kind of interchange or use both of them to be part of the four. So I'd keep an eye on on the safety spot for sure. You know, Brian, I think that's interesting because <clears throat> you would like to have flexibility in the back end where you could sometimes play a traditional nickel or right. what they call a big nickel where you have three safeties on the field and that third nickel is almost kind of like that quasi-linebacker. The Florida State kid, uh, Hamza Nazaruddin. Nazar- he would oh, yeah. be interesting yeah. me. Yeah. Nazaruddin. He would be interesting as the canoe Neal type player to drop right. down in the box too. Like... You can try Donovan Wilson. Maybe he has enough pop and thump to be able to be that. But maybe you want another bigger guy that can come down and be the low guy well, and yeah, do all it, this it, stuff. A guy you were talking about there, too, is Sherwood from uh, from Auburn is another one of those guys. Yeah. Big guy, physical player. You see him. You watch the, the Georgia game. And stuff. He's playing down. They got him playing in coverage. They got him doing some of that stuff. Another kid I liked a lot too is, and I don't know if you guys do, Gillespie from from Missouri is a guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a guy I could kind of see as you watch that Alabama game, and he is flying downhill in a hurry, hitting people, <laughs> knocking people, playing in coverage and stuff like that. If you're going to double at a spot, though, man, maybe there's maybe you can kind of fix this thing with a couple of the picks at the right at the right spot. The interesting another guy we never talk about. Go would be uh, the Cisco kid from Syracuse. Yeah. We just never talk mm-hmm. about him. His yeah. name should be in the conversation because he's sure. another safety in that day two range that could come in and help immediately. He's yeah. He's got a lot of the tools that you would want in a starting safety, but he gives up so many big plays on film, and he gets beat a lot, and mm-hmm. I think he'll fall because of that. So if you wanted to take a flyer on a guy in the third round and he's there, if he makes it to the third round, that might be still too low for him. 
But if he makes it to the third and he's there at 75, I don't think that I'm out of the. I don't think he would be out of the running as my favorite pick in the third round if he's there because of the physical tools that he has. Now, speaking of physical tools, I've got a question specifically for our guy Brian Broaddus. And this comes from Nikki the Twitch on on Twitter. And he says, for my guy Brian, the official inductee to the Kyrie's Tonga fan club, I want his scouting report Ah. on the BYU interior defensive lineman. He called him a SpongeBob-loving giant. But I don't know enough about this guy yet to to really get into him. But what do you think about Tonga? Have you guys have you guys seen Tonga at all? I have Bucky, not. Bucky, have you I'm seen Tonga? Chris I, have, Tonga? I have not. I saw you talking about him this morning. That was the first yeah. time I was. Yeah, he's aware. he. I, I tell you what, this is a fun draft for these center these guys that play right over the center's nose. And you know this guy, I mean, he is a 326 pound guy, and you watch him play. He's got some really good speed. He's got excellent quickness, and I'll tell you what, he's super active when it comes to chasing the ball and working to the outside. I mean, he's a difficult player to deal with one-on-one. I was watching the Coastal Carolina game, and, I mean, they've got him, like, playing twist game stuff. They've got him jumping around and gaps and then getting back inside. And, mm. you know, when you're 326 pounds and you're bouncing around the line like that and, and people aren't moving you but you're getting in the backfield – He's a finisher when he gets around the quarterback. He's one of those guys that, for a big, heavy guy, he wasn't coming off the field. I mean, he was playing snap after snap after snap. You watch Shelvin and guys like that, they sub. But, you know, LSU's got a lot of players. I get it. Mm -hmm. BYU, they've got talented players. But Tonga, keep an eye on him as that one-technique guy. I really do like this one-technique class of, uh, of what we've seen so far in this draft. There's a couple guys that stand out. I mean, along with Tonga, you got Ali McNeil that we've talked about out of NC State previously. I mean, there are some one techniques that are going to find their way into the early parts of this draft. And maybe, I mean, if the Cowboys wanted to talk about it. What was that? How how about the McNeil kid? I got a chance to see him. No, how about the McNeil kid? I got a chance to see him work out last week because he worked out out here. Oh, nice. How about he started at left field in high school? And on the baseball team, I'm sorry, like how what? crazy, how crazy <laughs> is that to think about your one technique? Oh, by the way, let's go out and shake. Played outfielder, okay. but that's what he did. Yeah, he played outfield. How about that? Oh, let's go. I like that. I, it, that that's now not a zone, first base. We can zone dog. We can zone dog a little bit. Yeah, yeah. that's that's not Dave yeah, Ortiz no. over there. That's that's left field. You're playing. <laughs> you're running after baseballs there. You're you're getting into the gap. You're playing down the line. What was that, Brian? No, I, I tell you what, though, I, I think Bucky and you guys are right about the kid. I mean, I talked about him last week as a pet cat guy. You, you see athletic ability. You, you see athletic ability. The, the day and age of just the big sloppy guy playing this at one technique or under tackle, yeah, there's some big sloppy guys, but they're better athletes than than what we've kind of seen in the past. I, I'm, I'm encouraged that the Cowboys have to go get one of these guys I think there's three or four of those choices that you can make, though. Again, it's got to be a change in philosophy. The previous regime was all about, oh, no, we like orphans and we don't want to draft guys and da-da-da-da-da-da-da and all that stuff. I, I hope this regime says, no, let's use a draft pick on a good player. Yeah. And there's some in this draft that you can go get. I like it. I like the potential that it ends up happening here. Uh, We've got one more question I want to answer, but we do have to to hit the second break. So when we come back, really interesting question that involves a trade of a top wide receiver and maybe a top corner coming to Dallas as well. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. The Cowboys way. Where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing. The star where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. 
Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Final segment here of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. As always, presented by Miller Lite. Glad you're with us. Bucky Brooks, Brian Broaddus, David Hellman. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Final question here to round things out on what has been really a, a really fun show, gentlemen. Well done from every one of you guys and all of those listening as well. But Coach K on Twitter asked, can I get... Michael Gallup traded to the Patriots because they can extend him for Stephon Gilmore in a late pick, so that way you could potentially grab one of these top three wide receivers at pick number 10. Are you interested in doing such a thing, David Hellman? You know, okay. And is it possible? That's I'm another gonna, question. I'm going to – is it – well, is it possible? Yeah, I suppose it's possible. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know the details of Gilmore's deal off the top of my head, but I know he's one of the better-paid cornerbacks in the league. So, I mean, I assume that would be difficult to fit in under the cap. I I think the Gallup thing is really interesting because, yeah, it's it's fun to talk about ways you could maximize that, you know, trade him for something while he's still worth it before he goes into this contract year. But I also kind of feel like, you know, in this day and age, people are trying to solve problems before they exist. And what I mean by that is, you know, everybody's like, well, Gallup's going to leave next year, so we got to do something. It's like, you can tap the brakes. Like, a lot of things can happen. The Cowboys front-loaded Amari Cooper's deal. They're done They're done with guarantees for Amari next offseason. Mm-hmm. So they could conceivably get rid of Amari and keep Michael Gallup if they wanted to. They could extend him. They could franchise him. Or... It's not the end of the world if Michael Gallup walks in free agency and you get a nice comp pick out of it. Like, that is not the worst outcome in the world. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like people overreact to the fact that they're probably going to lose Gallup. Like, and I get it. It's fun to be proactive and try to think ahead of time. There's nothing wrong with that. But I also don't think that's, like, this terrible problem that you have to solve right now. To answer the question a little bit more directly... If the Patriots were willing to do that and I could fit Gilmore in under the cap, yeah. He's only seven he's only seven million dollars. You just have to do an extension because he's gonna want more money. He only there has seven million. I'm, I would, it says his cap yeah, hit is fifteen, Bucky. On uh, what I'm looking at, it says the cap yeah, hit is fifteen he, because it, yeah, the, it was a backloaded cap, deal and he's the, in the final year of his five year contract. Yeah, looking looking at Sportex, so they did a, a a deal where they pushed some money up to pay him last year to get him to thirteen million. Mm-hmm. But on the books, his base salary is that the cap hit for the Patriots is fifteen. But in terms of salary to spend out, it's only seven million. But when you take him in, he's not going to show up unless you redo the deal. Yeah. And so yeah. you also have to wonder: thirty-one years old for someone who wasn't, he was never an A-level athlete. How much does he have left? Are you going to get the back end? other performers from Gilmore if you take that on. Yeah, that, and yeah, the cap hit makes me leery. I still probably lean toward I at least, I don't hate the idea. Um, yeah, I think you'd rather have a younger player at that position. Um, but you've also but kind I'd of wanted a veteran at that position as well, and by a veteran somebody who can actually play well and still be a veteran at that spot. Yeah, but um, it kind of, it goes back you know, to the whole thing about, you know, quarterback, like what makes a what makes a quarterback valuable as a draft pick is like the contract. Like you have cost mm. control. 
So it makes you, you know, would you rather have a 22-year-old that you have cost control over for five years or a 31-year-old who you have to pay just to get him to show up in training camp? Um, yeah, the more I think about this, I think I'd rather just hold on to Michael Gallup. And mm-hmm. like I said, I mean, there are worse things that can happen than getting a comp pick for Michael Gallup. Like, if that's what happens, that's fine with me. I don't know. I feel like the more you talked about it, the more you talked me into it. Brian, really quickly, before we we end out, do you would you do that deal or would you kind of reconsider and keep Michael Gallup around? Yeah, I think I would probably keep Michael Gallup around is what I do. I, I would look for other opportunities. You know, maybe you could maybe you could take him and one of your draft picks and then move up in the draft. Maybe you could go a little bit further. I would use him as a bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. Instead of getting a thirty one year old corner, maybe you want to go up higher in the draft. Maybe you want to try and get back into the second uh, back in the bottom of the first round. And you can convince somebody to take your 44 and Michael Gallup and then let you get back in the bottom of the first round if you find a player uh, to your liking there. So I would kind of keep that option open. I think I would too. I, I, I would lean toward keeping Michael Gallup, even though, like Dave said, kind of to start off the conversation, I'm not against talking about it. I don't think it's a bad idea to keep your options open. No. But – if you and this is an intriguing option to say the least. Now, if they threw in maybe a second round pick or something, maybe I would do it. But I don't know. That might be a little bit too high and too costly from the Patriots' perspective to get that deal done. But that's going to do it for us. I oh, oh. go for it, Dave. Sorry, Kyle. No, I, I mean I think it's a conversation worth having. I'm not opposed to the idea, but you don't have to look for an excuse just to get rid of Michael Gallup just because you think you can't afford him next year. Mm-hmm. Like let those problems play out. That's that's a good problem to have. So if somebody wants to come get him, that's great, but make it worth my while. Like, don't just deal him because you're afraid of having to pay him next year. That's dumb. It's a good point. It's a good point. That's it for us here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. For everyone listening at home, for Chris Beam, for Bucky Brooks, Brian Broaddus, and David Hellman, I'm Kyle Yeomans. We'll see you next week on the Draft Show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this,